This is the Christian Circle Podcast and you're listening to Pamela Fernandez where we have conversations about Christian living. Here's the show. Carl, tell us a little bit about yourself. This is our 50th episode and we're glad to have you on the show. So tell us about your ministry, who you are, where you come from. All right. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on today, Pamela. And congrats on your 50th podcast. Well, I've been a writer for almost 20 years now with about 80 articles and three traditional books. Two of the books are Catholic-themed children's stories. So this is where I, what I've been doing in the past. I also was one of the founders of the Catholic Writers Guild, which started somewhere between 10 and 15 years ago, I believe. And that's a collection of uh, Catholic writers who are working together to uh, create a literature that better represents the Catholic audience or better tries to better convey the Catholic message. While I'm not quite as, as active with that organization today as I used to be, it's still, it's still uh, an important part of what I do and, and I still interact with them quite a bit. I guess today I'm more focused on um, doing photography as well as religious-themed poetry, besides doing the occasional article for Catholic 365 and other, and other venues. I haven't had much success yet with the poetry, but I'm just starting <laughs> to explore it, so I'm kind of waiting to see what happens. But I think your writing is very effective. I mean, I, I came across the, the post on Catholic 365, and you wrote about uh, mass etiquette. So what prompted you to first write that article, and um, why is it so important? Well, it's important because how, how we approach Mass should be about um, centered on God and not ourselves. Mm. And distractions make it harder for all of us to remain focused on, on the service and, and what it's truly about. And you know, whether it's inappropriate clothing or distracting behavior or poorly, even poorly selected music that I talk about a little bit, it, these are all things that distract us from what we should be focusing on, which is God rather than ourselves. For me, see, before I came to the Catholic Church, I was I was a Protestant. I my wife was raised in the Free Methodist tradition, and I was raised in the Nazarene tradition. And we joined the Catholic Church some years ago. And really, part of our reason for coming home to the Catholic Church was, or at least it began with, kind of a search for reverence or a, or a, mm. a what I call a thirst for reverence. And for me. It's so perfectly found within the Catholic Church. You have the you have such a beautiful uh, display of God's grace um, to man, and it's such a, a beautiful thing to witness. And it's it's just kind of maddening to see you know the the distractions around you that kind of take away from that and mm. and uh, move you a different direction. I guess it's kind of the contrast also between the services as a protestant what well what was considered standard behavior appropriate behavior in from that tradition and what seems to pass for it someday sometimes within the catholic church mm-hmm. i mean for example well I'll, I'll share one of my pet peeves is folks leaving mass early yeah. in droves and such a it's such a problem at our particular parish mm. that our our priest had to bring it up finally um and address it a little bit it's 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 almost as if folks don't realize the significance of, of what of where they are yeah. and what they're doing. Yeah. They're they're in essence stepping out of the of the 
the present or of the current timeline, you could say, and they're they're kind of taking a step towards heaven, and uh, everything, um, all this kind of thing. It just, besides being disrespectful towards God and the church, it just it reveal it reveals a casualness of uh, theology that I find disturbing and I don't understand. So I guess that's kind of that's where I'm coming from and and uh, why this was so important to me to uh, to try to address. I know it takes a lot of courage to write what you did because nobody wants to be the bad guy, you know, when you correct someone. And I'm glad that yes. you wrote that post. But do you think that if people were taught and explained the theology, the basis of what is really happening at the Eucharist, uh, that they probably wouldn't do what they what you know they're doing right now that is wrong? I think you're I think you're probably correct. I think it's <clears throat> I think it's probably a matter of you know early um, training um, catechesis, you could say, of the um, of folks, and it's it's just this need to realize that mass is is not just a cultural thing. It's mm-hmm. it's a religious uh, it's a religious experience. It's we're there for God. We're there for for Him because we love Him and because we love our church, and that these kinds of things. Um, make it you know that much more difficult for uh, for others to to concentrate and to hear and to you know experience the mass for example uh, just recently i had someone in front of me who was carrying on a loud conversation on her cell phone just before <laughs> mass was set to begin and i was just about poised to you know get up and and try to say something polite to her when a when a, another parish member did so and he he did it so politely and with such courtesy and respect that you know it's that it's that kind of example it's it's people like that that we need people that are are willing and able to quickly step up and appropriately handle these these uh, challenging little situations that we run into in in our daily lives. Now you listed out fifteen different things that people should do and i'm sure there are a hundred more but can yes. you go through the 15 with us about the most important things that we should not be doing when it comes to mass sure I, i'd be happy to um so then the first one i i listed was the importance of genuflecting towards the tabernacle mm. before taking your seat um this is a display of reverence which acknowledges the real and mysterious presence of our lord jesus christ and this really sets the tone for me in in what comes you know throughout the, the rest of the mass it's it's putting ourselves humbling ourselves before god and putting things in their proper perspective and number two is 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 kind of the one i was talking about earlier mm-hmm. about talking loudly um unless we've actually been asked to speak to the congregation let's keep our voices down to a more reverent level and you know it's it's especially a distraction uh for those like myself who have hearing issues mm. and who really struggle to hear every word sometimes and when you have speaking around you it's incredibly difficult to focus and to um, you know to hear things correctly and then another uh, aspect i touched upon here was acknowledging that there is a social dimension to mass mm. but that shouldn't be our reason for being there it mm. shouldn't it shouldn't be our our main reason for being there yeah. and number three was dressing appropriately and yes. 
Um, I think we all know what that means. But, <laughs> yes. Um, it just uh, the inappropriate dress. Just it, it just yells, "Look at me! Look at me!" When we should be saying, "Look at him." Mm. And modesty is a reflection of sincere faith. Yeah. And number four, yeah. unless unusual circumstances exist, I think it's important that we take the time, you know, to try to come to mass in uh, not necessarily in our gym clothes, but in actually clean. <laughs> appropriate clothes mm. you know especially where i live in the pacific northwest there's kind of a people don't like formality mm. um it's it's seen it's seen as uh insincere and and fake and and all these things and there may be you know there may i can acknowledge there's there can be an element of truth to that mm. but in in mass when we're coming before our creator mm. it, the very least we can do is to you know put on a fresh shirt make sure make sure that we're presentable um it's just for me it's a sign of of respect respect yeah and, and would you yeah. uh, if you were going to meet your boss or you were going to meet the president of the country would how would you dress so how would you dress exactly, for a king exactly yeah. yes yeah. yeah that's that's a good way to look for it that look at it that's a good example and of course ringing cell phones and pagers <laughs> are, are distracting yeah. too we've all experienced that yes. not eating in the sanctuary uh not treating it like like uh entertainment and and i i don't see this much anymore um more yeah it's it doesn't come up very often but occasionally you'll you'll, you'll see it i see it um, with kids i mean uh, parents yeah. do this all the time like feed the children in the church why don't you uh you know i would say why don't you feed them before my parents made it a point to do that feed us before or after you know so yeah. i see this happen with children all the time in church yeah it seems to be uh have something perhaps to do with just a a lack of the kind of a of time management or um just not having enough feeling that they don't have enough time but you know frankly if you know you need to make time for church you need to make time to prepare for church as well so mm -hmm. i think that's that's an important important part of it so uh number seven is uh an attitude of reverence and respect is necessary when coming forward in the communion line don't expect the the priest or the extraordinary minister of the holy communion to offer the eucharist other otherwise and then i gave an example of when i was serving as an e uh, emhc at one point mm. i had a teenager casually extend his hands out for the host which were his hands were entirely withdrawn inside the sleeves of his sweatshirt and he didn't he didn't even make initial eye contact and you just you have to kind of wonder what's in someone's mind mm. who's approaching uh, approaching him like that do they understand that they are receiving the um are receiving Christ their mm. lord mm. and so number eight is don't take the eucharist in your hands to dip to dip it yourself into the chalice this is called in tinction and according to the general instruction of the roman missal the act of intinction is reserved for the priest mm. i guess this was important because i saw it not, not only as uh when i served in, as an extraordinary minister minister of the holy communion at my parish but i also this was also a um a common practice at the episcopal church where we we attended for a time before we became catholics so um it's something that i'm i was familiar with seeing and and uh so it's something i kind of i kind of notice 
And I think it's important that people understand that it's, it's, that's not an appropriate thing to do. Mm-hmm. And then number 10, uh, it's inappropriate to leave mass before the priest. In fact, I, I say in the article, why don't you stay and sing the dismissal hymn? Yeah. Uh, I, I think uh, this is something that's really important to me personally, because I think it, it betrays uh, a faith that is just a, uh, too casual or not. It's like the faith is not connecting with the mind, like it's it's just cultural or something. Mm. I, I don't quite know how to describe it, but I, I think it's also something that, sadly, you, you see parents doing it with children. Mm. And so you, you wonder, that it seems likely that those children may grow up doing the same thing, which yeah. is sad. Yeah. And, and that's one of the reasons um, in my, my children's book, To Pay Mice, I actually made this kind of a, a something that was touched on in the book, mm. um, talking about how one would never leave mass early, of course, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. So it's, uh, I think it's important, important to keep in mind. And so, I, I want to add uh, in there that it's, you know, it's a good thing to actually shake hands with your priests and meet them. That's the only physical contact they have. So you might as well meet with your priest, talk to them, shake hands with them, you know, pat them on the back and then leave instead of just rushing out. Oh, right, right, exactly. So number nine, I have uh, keep your kiddos under control. And and I, I said here that we appreciate you bringing your kids to mass and we, we know it can be hard sometimes. Most of us are very patient, but when the priest can no longer be heard, it's a good indicator that it's time to take your child out for a bit. Mm-hmm. And so... And again, this uh, for those of us with hearing issues, it's we appreciate it when when parents gently take their children out mm-hmm. for a little for a break um, during the mass when that becomes difficult because it's uh, it just becomes so hard to hear the priest, mm-hmm. and we you know that's why we're there. So mm-hmm. okay, for number eleven, I just have don't be in such a rush to leave that you force others to exit the pew earlier than they would prefer, and that's pure and simple selfishness. And I, I do encounter that unfortunately from time to time still. And <laughs> the example I gave in the article actually was of an older lady um, that actually put the kneeler down on my cast when I had a broken leg because uh, <laughs> she was in such a hurry to get things moving along. I guess uh, it's it's. Um, Again, it gets back to that. If you have the focus of worship, then hopefully you're not going to be in such a rush to to leave and to you know get on with your day because you understand this the the importance, the critical importance of of worship to uh, you know to your to your life. Mm. For number twelve, I have as far as the music director is concerned, please don't ask the congregation to sing a hymn which fails to convey the message. It reports to offer, understand that words mean things and that many congregants will stop singing if the words fail to measure up. And one example of that that I give in the article is a, is a hymn called Sing a New Church, okay. which it seems like um, has a lot of troubling theology within the hymn. And and uh, thankfully, I haven't heard it for a long time, and mm-hmm. perhaps I, I won't hear it again. But uh, <laughs> it's, you know, the, the music is important, too, and yeah. it, the thought thought should be put into it. For number 13, I put down, uh, as a worship leader or priest, try to avoid the jargon of the day. Environmental stewardship is one thing. Teaching on recycling methods at length is probably a step or two too far. While we should be engaging the present culture, our eyes at mass should be turned um, and focused on the eternal rather than the temporal. Mm -hmm. And I guess for me, uh, an example of this was brought to my attention when 
I brought my, I brought a relative to mass with me who mm. was not Catholic. And we went to, went to the service be, uh, be directly before the mass that was kind of designed for families and, and children and, and things. And the, the focus of the message being given there was uh, environmental, really. And, and that he, I think they spent more time talking about recycling than they spent, <laughs> you know, talking about God. And it really, it really turned my mother off. And mm. it was, it was kind of a, a lost opportunity yeah. for witness. Yeah. And so that's just an example of the kind of thing that, you know, that can kind of get between us and God and get between us and the message of the gospel, really. So for number number 14, it says, as you pull out into or out of the parking lot, remember where you are or have been. Let your life be a reflection of Christ outside the walls of the church too. This means, for instance, helping a person you see collapse in the parking lot or avoiding laying on your horn as you grab the desired parking spot, which mm. I've seen in our parish. So mm. it, it happens. And actually, unfortunately, the collapsing example is was my wife who, um, when we had arrived for church one morning, uh, as new, we were new, new Catholics and my wife suffered a a stroke, um, Mm -hmm. right as she stepped out of the car and Mm -hmm. she collapsed. Mm -hmm. And, um, we had two young kids in the back and I was trying to rouse her, uh, trying to to get her conscious again. Mm -hmm. And no one, you know, no one seemed to notice or, or everyone was, you know, kind of set doing their own thing, going on their, you know, their regular routine. And it, I think it's just important to, for folks to be aware that, to be aware of what's around them and be aware that sometimes they may need to uh, take time to help others. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's just something uh, important for all of us to, to remember. Yeah. To be real good Samaritans when it's needed. Exactly, exactly. To be a good Samaritan, yes. To be a good Samaritan, even in the parking lot of the church. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, the last one was, uh, for professing Catholics, confession is not a recommended activity, but a required sacrament. Mm. Remember also the warning of First Corinthians 11.27 concerning the taking of the sacrament in an unworthy manner. Yeah. As Bishop Fulton Sheen warned in one of his later presentations, this is a serious offense and it places both your spiritual and physical health and real danger and speak to your priest for more information. So I, I think it gets back to the, the holiness of the Eucharist and yeah. the need to keep things in perspective and to, um, to treat this, the, the, every part of the mass with the reverence that it, it, that it truly deserves. So what do you do if you see someone violating um, these rules? Like you see somebody, now you know you're supposed to come in half an hour fasting before Mass and, and you see people chewing gum during Mass yeah. or you see people talking on their phone or, you know, something or the other is going on. What do you do? Like I know there are some priests who see, who, who see women inappropriately dressed and they say, okay, I want, they'll point out and say, I want you to leave. Now that yeah. doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, because those people might leave the church completely, but yeah, and I, I don't have a good answer for that. Um, I I know I feel more comfortable actually getting up to address uh, people who may pose a danger than people that may that are in a situation like that. It's it's funny we've had someone come into the church who may have been a danger to themselves or to others, and and I myself and the other parishioners immediately rose to 
to deal with that situation. And that felt more natural to me mm. than to how to approach someone who is displaying a uh, lack of reverence. I, I don't exactly, I don't exactly know the answer to that. I, I think like what I witnessed uh, recently at my own parish, I think there's a way to do it that uh, where it's done with courtesy and respect and love and it can be done well. But I think you have to make sure that you're that you're demonstrating those qualities before you approach someone. I know, for example, uh, when I was I was actually a a Protestant uh, in a Catholic school in elementary school, and I remember that I used to really love taking the Eucharist. I did not understand that it was reserved for Catholics, mm-hmm. and I guess one of the kid one of my classmates or something told one of the teachers and you know waiting in the communion line I suddenly had this uh the religion teacher come up and kind of grab me out of the communion line and forcefully you know sit me down in a pew and and tell me that I couldn't take communion and no one had ever mentioned this before it was news to me I just wanted to you know be closer to Jesus mm-hmm. and I think I think that's the kind of thing that can happen if we if we approach people without love and respect, I think we're like what you said, we're going to perhaps push people away from the church. And so, you know, I, I'm not sure what to say ex- on that, except that we, we need to think about it and pray about it. Mm-hmm. I would say pray about it before we are faced with it so that we, we feel in our heart, we have a, a way to, to approach that kind of a situation and we know what to do. And perhaps, before we actually, perhaps as we stand to approach someone, we might say a, a silent prayer to make sure that we're, that our minds and our hearts are where they should be in that kind of a situation. Because we need to remember constantly that, you know, that kind of interaction may, may color the church yeah. in this person's mind for the rest of their lives. And so we, you know, need to give that, give that care. Now that we know, we know that we have to be reverent. We know that mass is sacred. What do you think we should uh, do to make people understand the sacredness of mass? Should we have like a common theology? I mean, everyone goes through catechism, but somehow this yeah. has been lost. So how how do we make people understand the, the sacredness of mass? Like, how do we do this? I think it has to be done on a, on a parish by parish level. It has to... It, it's not only the responsibility of the priest to convey this, it's also the responsibility of the parents uh, who need to make time to make sure that their example is is one that is leading their children and others towards Christ. It begins in the home, and the kids need to learn at an, at an early uh, age what, it, what reverence means and why it's important and why we approach different people in different um, situations with different behaviors. They need to understand what reverence is for and what it means. And I think that can be that, yeah, it really must fall on on the parents to a large extent. And I'm, I'm not sure that by and large that's that's being done. It's easy to generalize, though, and, and certainly there are many examples where it's being done wonderfully. It's just it's uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's certainly a challenge. How do you I, I think sacredness of mass has to be taught in such a way that that the theology is being um, explained so that it can be understood. The the reasons for the different parts of the Mass need to be explained as 
for example, the way, you know, Scott Hahn has described yeah. the different parts of the mass in some of his writings. If, if folks could, could understand the, the meaning, um, the symbolism and everything else that goes beyond, goes behind everything that they're seeing, perhaps that would help as well. I don't know. That's, that's a great question. <laughs> I think we should at every opportunity, I think like we have pre-baptism courses, pre-Kena, we should give away some of uh, Scott Hahn's books or a book on mass to every single person out there that is attending the, the Eucharist. I, I think that might be a good start. <laughs> I'm sure Scott, I'm sure Scott wouldn't disagree with that. <laughs> What about um? You, what about books? I mean, is there are there any books that people can other than Scott Hans books that you would recommend to people who want to know more about mass etiquette? Wow, frankly, no, I don't know of any books that deal with mass etiquette. I guess that's one of the reasons I wrote the article was because I really couldn't. It wasn't something that I that I saw addressed anywhere, and so um, that was that was why I felt there was a need for that article and. It, it remains one of my most popular articles I've ever written. And the, the strange thing is I wrote it in like half an hour it, or well, somewhere around there. It, it, it not a huge amount of effort went into it. It was just kind of putting on into paper onto paper, what my, what I had been mulling over for a long time. And so it seems like it's a, it seems like it must be a widespread issue in the church for it to have um, become so popular so quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it seems like something that perhaps is worthy of, uh, you know, of additional, additional writing. That might be something I, I do more on in the future. Yeah, you should write a book about it. Maybe consider, consider it one of your projects for the future. I will. I'll think about that. <laughs> a fellow member of the Catholic Writers Guild came out with a uh, book recently called Sharing Your Catholic Faith Story, Tools, Tips, and Testimonies. Um, Nancy H. C. Ward is the uh, contributor towards uh, part one of the book. And then what she's done is collected the uh, testimonies of uh, 30 or so people who have either um, come to the Catholic Church from other denominations, uh, for example, Mormonism, atheism, as well as evangelical tradition, mm -hmm. Yeah, um, as well as uh, folks that have uh, left the Catholic Church and then returned. Mm -hmm. And it, it just documents their stories. And another thing that she does in, in this uh, book is really emphasizes the, the importance of being able to articulate your own story of faith. What is, is it that brought you to the church? Why is it that you, you stay in the church? Um, these are all things that we're we're called upon um, to give thought and to be prepared to answer. What does Christ mean to us? What is what is salvation all about? These are things that that we need to be prepared to make an answer to if asked. And it's important that we you know give that thought. And this kind of a book, I think, is helpful in explaining not only a variety of viewpoints. Of people who have left and come back and, and that kind of thing, but also tools for uh, current Catholics to perhaps better appreciate their faith and better appreciate their traditions and to understand evangelization uh, with more clarity as well. Any um, last bit or final piece of advice you have, especially for people making their own examination of conscience? It's easy for us to point out, but 
when we examine ourselves, how can we examine ourselves uh, and our own mass etiquette before we attend mass? I think it's important to to um, think as you open the doors of the church, uh, think consciously about where you are and wh- what you're entering. Think about the fact that you're you're there to worship God. You're not there to catch up on the latest gossip or what have you. You're there to to worship God and focus on Him, and that should. I think that's that's a good way of kind of centering yourself and and making sure that you're there a hundred you know that you're conscious of your your purpose and and of focused on what your what your purpose is for being in mass. As far as self reflection, I think one perhaps one thing that I'll I'll add would be just being aware that everyone around us is someone for whom Christ has died and. Mm-hmm. That there are no, uh, and this is this is to paraphrase, paraphrase C.S. Lewis in uh, in one of his works, uh, The Weight of Glory. If I've correctly remembered that title, there are no ordinary people. Yeah. The, but uh, every every person that you see throughout the day is someone for whom Christ has died, and they're either going to be in everlasting joy in heaven, or they're going to be somewhere else altogether less enjoyable. And I think it's important that we realize that people are disposable things for our for our use or exploitation. That they are they are holy creatures made by God, and for whom God died. And that we should take the time to know the needs of those people in our community that we that we interact with on um, on a daily basis whether it be at the office or what have you no, be aware of the needs and don't treat them as as just background people you know like back background actors or something in in a, in a stage play but realize that they're they're individuals with you know deep issues and and uh needs and that we need to remember our brothers and sisters in prayer uh more regularly and and focus less on ourselves and more on other people so uh, where can people find you and your books, Carl? Well, I've got a, a book for uh, adult readers. Um, it's a mystery novel called The Blood Cries Out. And that book is available on Amazon and, and other uh, sources as well. I think it's also available at Barnes & Noble and um, other, other outlets. Um, in addition, for children, um, I have two books uh, Tristan's Travels and To Pay Mice. Boy, both of those books are published by Rafka Press. And those books are uh, available um, again on Amazon, also through the Rafka Press website and through various Catholic bookstores and other um, other bookstores that are carrying those titles. And your website, Facebook, Twitter? Uh, my Twitter address is uh, Pack Northwest, or that is. I'll spell it out. It's P-A-C-N-W-C-A-T-H-R-I-T-E-R. So it's Pack Northwest Calf Writer. It's not the easiest thing to remember, but it made sense at the time. So <laughs> uh, as far as my website, I uh, my wife and I share a website now. We're at carlerickson.com. Uh, my wife is an illustrator as well as a uh, glass artist. Wow. And so you'll, you'll see her work there as well. Okay, great. So it was great having you today. Thank you so much for talking to us on our 50th episode about mass etiquette. And uh, it was great talking to you and listening to you. We hope you can come back for our 100th episode, maybe. (laughs) I'd love to. Thank you very much.